after like kind of staring death in the face for so long, the idea of making life and then it being a burden to them, I would feel so guilty. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Juniper, the only woman I've ever had a one-night stand with opens up about her chronic illness rickettsia, a bacterial infection caused by tick bites that can lead to chronic fatigue and other physiological problems. Content warning for chronic illness, we talk a lot about deep depression and complete losses of hope that can happen in certain moments. Juniper goes so far as to describe this experience for her, a spiritual death that eventually got easier to manage. We also talk about deep isolation, being really isolated from other people for, in some cases, months. It's an intimate conversation, just as you've come to expect from us here on Intimate Interactions. Welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Juniper, a human I had a really fun one night stand with once and then met again and hung out with once. And we're friends now. And this is like our one of our first times reconnecting after that. And yeah, we're going to talk today about spiritual death, which is pretty intense, isolation, and rickettsia, which is a tick-borne bacterial infection like Lyme disease. How are you doing today, Juniper? I'm doing really good. Yeah, I was nervous, but I'm excited. (laughs) So I guess a little bit of like history of like exactly how isolated I've been when I was sick. I, I lost the ability to walk overnight, and then I moved in back with my parents and because it was in a different town that I was living, I just didn't feel comfortable to invite anyone over um, and see me in that state since I haven't talked to them in so many years. And so I spent six months um, just being in a room, like unable to leave the bed. And my mom lived elsewhere and my dad was just very busy and didn't really socialize with me. And so for like six months, it was close to like zero human contact. Like wow. genuinely not talking to anybody except for maybe over text. I had one person I talked to on the phone. And then for another three to four years, it was just barely being able to leave my house, barely being able to walk, barely being able to socialize. And that kind of isolation does something so strange to the mind. I remember when I like first got out and started like talking to people, I had to get used to like waiting to say something because when you're alone you're always talking in your head you don't have to like wait and then I would be like you know someone would say something I never considered or never thought and I wasn't used to like reflecting on what other people say either and so I had to like sort of relearn how to do this and then you know I'd get sicker and get thrown back into isolation for a long time and then come back and just have to go through this over and over again of like, okay, this this is how I human? Okay. <laughs> um, and it's just the weirdest mind state too that like six months when I was bedridden, 
I believed every day that in two weeks I would be better because that's what a doctor told me initially, that in two weeks you'll be better. And so my awareness of time completely went away. <laughs> and I was just every day to save myself two weeks. And then, you know, I was told that my job was no longer waiting for me at around the like maybe six month mark. And that was when like reality set. And it was like, that was my first, like I call it like a spiritual death where I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like you kind of just fall apart inside and there's no real attempt to get yourself out of it. There's not like really a drive. You're just stuck in this place. You go to sleep enough times and it's like your brain presses a refresh. And so even though I'm the exact same amount of sickness as I was the day before, it's like my mind completely disconnects from that death. And I feel a bit stronger, like mentally. I feel more like today is a new day and two weeks I'm going to get better. <laughs> mm -hmm. And That's really, really rough. And so that, like that spiritual death in the beginning, it would happen, I would say, every three days or something of like restarting and going through it again. And then slowly over time, it's just become less and less and less. And I remember there's like long periods where you know, I'm still suffering in those, you know, those less times. And I remember I'm just like, I'm so miserable, but I can't cry. Like I can't express this emotion. I can't get it out. <sighs> and then all of a sudden it'd be like three days straight of just nonstop crying. And, and luckily I'm so grateful <laughs> that you know, over time, you know, it'd be instead of every few days, it went to every few weeks, went to every few months. And I honestly cannot tell you, I don't remember the last time I've just broken down crying, not out of like something that happened, just out of the like overall building up. And I, I think, you know, I think I'm done dying until like the final death <laughs> at the end of my life. I don't think I'm going to be having any more spiritual deaths. <laughs> And um, I don't know, I just want to say for everyone that like can connect with what I'm saying or is fine, like those are the words they've been looking for. I didn't have hope for the longest time. There was absolutely no reason for me to have hope, no answer of why I was sick, no reason or excuse that things were going to get better. Um, I, I like about four years in, I think I just accepted this is the rest of my life and I have to do something. I have to actively just... You know, I can't wait until life is easy um, to be happy. I still mm -hmm. am working towards happiness, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, yeah. But that, you know, I didn't have hope. I really, like, really committed to the idea that I'm never going to get better. And I did. <laughs> so if anybody is in that space <laughs> of you're not going to get better, I'm not telling you you have to have hope right now, but I'm telling you in some tomorrow, you'll have an excuse to have hope. Assuming you get better. Maybe not. <laughs> like maybe, <laughs> you know, I think um, in a way, maybe I gave myself some hope by deciding, I, you know, I have to leave my parents' house. I have to try and get a job. I have to try and make a life. I can't just lay in bed forever. Um, mm -hmm. As stressful as trying to do that was. <laughs> doesn't sound easy for sure i also noted um you, you play um tabletop rpgs right D D, things like that 
Um, or you have? I have a little bit. I didn't know what I was doing, but. <laughs> so there's a, there is one called Vampire the Masquerade. Um, and literally you play as vampires and the undead literally call being like turned to ash permanently the final death. And I just thought it was very apro- apropos yeah. that you were like, <laughs> I like that. I'm ready, you know, until the final death. I'm like, yeah, that sounds very vampiric. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Chuck, I guess I was looking at myself. I felt like I was in purgatory. Like I was no, right. I was not on earth. I was not, you know, in heaven or hell. I was just like in this waiting yeah. place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super, super rough. It, it sounds like just an incredibly bad place to be in. in I know. I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised. Respect. I thought I was going to just start like bawling the moment I like said Rickettsy or something. So I'm proud of myself. <laughs> no, you're doing really well. This is, not int- this is not easy stuff to talk about. And like for me, like the experiences I've had with chronic illness are um, I mean, obviously, it's never worth comparing one chronic illness to another, but like my experiences are like bad and like they make me non-functional for like two to three days at a time um, when they do. And I have mostly learned the right interventions to be functional after like one. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten it down to like when when I get like really intense migraines um, or like um, any kind of like IBS stuff that just like is so debilitating that like I'm just exhausted like usually I can recover between like one day functional enough to work from home and like three days mostly functional again like to the point where I have to be like careful and watch that it doesn't flare up but like yeah and that that happens to me like once every like couple weeks maybe sometimes once a month which is like amazing Mm -hmm. Um, but like that's a really different experience from like isolation I know it's funny that everything you just said is funny. I almost would say the exact opposite. I'm like, yeah, that's what I felt. <laughs> um, really? Um, but yeah, this is one thing that I've really learned. Suffering is the same. Like yeah. I have, I remember a friend reached out to me and they were like complaining about boy problems and all of these things while I was like really <laughs> sick. And I was like, everything she was saying, I was like, yeah, I feel that. Like, that's exactly how I feel. And then I started talking about my things and she's like, felt awful that she was complaining about such like air quotes, like tiny things. Sure. Um, but like, I don't think, like, I don't think that at all. Like I think, um, and even like, I don't know, I would, uh, if I could choose one or the other, like physical illness or mental illness, a hundred percent physical illness. Um, yeah. Of course, mental illness comes with the physical, but the mental mm-hmm. illness was the absolute worst part of Lyme's disease. And I mean, you have, you know, potential organ failure, you have like eating issues, you have like yeah. headaches, all these things. A hundred percent would choose those over feeling sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had um, major depressive disorder my whole life. And like, until I got treated at 34, like I regularly had like suicidal ideation and like would go in and out of being like varying degrees of like concerned about myself. And uh, it's funny how when you're exposed to like a specific stimulus continuously, how well acquainted you get to it and like how well you're able to like, like figure out where you are in the experience. Like you have like a really good eventually like palette for like, oh, this isn't, like, really serious suicidal ideation. Like, it's it's not like I have, like, 
a specific plan with things immediately available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you, you start learning like specific warning signs for you and things that aren't. It's just it's really interesting to hear you um, um, talk about how like in your opinion, like mental illness is so much worse. I'm like, yeah, I, I think it certainly can be. I would say it's it's more debilitating even. Like when sure. I have chronic pain um, and I'm doing well, I can will myself to get up and do things. When I have severe sure. depression, not a chance, yeah. you know. Got it. And I think people personalize mental illness, um, both judging others and in themselves. And I, I think it should be looked at as the same thing as cancer or like some mm-hmm. sort of physical ailment um, and, and treated the same. Like it's, I think too, when you really treat it, you realize, oh, that's not me. Like that actually was just, a, you know, some bad brain chemicals or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's super, super hard. So... Now that you are done with all the spiritual deaths, I'm curious how that's affected like your worldview. Cause you were mentioning like you're, you're done with spiritual deaths until the final death. And I'm kind of <laughs> curious, like what, what, a, I don't know what beliefs you have about yourself and, and mortality that sort of led to such intense spiritual death. And then like how those beliefs may be shifted as that, spiritual death feeling became less and less and you maybe came to a place of more acceptance. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's funny. The one that comes up is like, I don't know if it touches on that exactly, but like, for instance, I didn't, I didn't know if I could never have children or something because of the limes, but I just kind of accepted that's not in my fate because like, you know, chronic fatigue. What if, what if they had horrible health conditions and it was my fault? (laughs) Um, and so it kind of relieved me in that way of like, oh, this is, you know, the moral thing is to not have children. You know, I accept that. I'm okay with that. Now that I'm getting better, I feel so conflicted. <laughs> like I think too, after like kind of staring death in the face for so long, the idea of making life and then it being a burden to them, I would feel so guilty. But yeah. now I'm like... It's now a choice of mine. <laughs> now I am. I have the choice, and it's, it weighs on me way heavier than when I was sick. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like thinking of my future, I think I didn't have hope, and I was just holding on to. I just need to work on myself. Like I just need to work on the next step. I just need to get by. I just need to be on my own independent and I just need to be figure out how to be fine. And it was so hard and stressful doing that. The moment I found out I could cure myself, I moved back into my parents. My drive disappeared almost (laughs) in almost a good way because it was making me sicker. It was stressing me out. Um, and I was just doing a lot of suffering that I think was unnecessary. <laughs> and, I, I feel that. And so now, like, I, I don't think someone could take my hope away. Like, I don't even think I could on a bad day. It's like, I just know 100% and have so much evidence that things are going to get better. Right. That they're never going to be as bad as the worst they've been. Yeah. And that, and two, I also, I'm like waiting for some more tests I can do. 
I'm waiting for more specialists. I'm like waiting for a program to start. There's just like a lot of things in the future that I'm promised that I just didn't have before. There was just no answer for so long. Yeah, that is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really exciting. Yeah. And like a positive note. Because <laughs> we started out talking about like spiritual death and now you're like, never again. <laughs> awesome. I really don't have any more questions about spiritual death, isolation, or rickettsia. Do you have anything more you wanted to say on those? I mean, if you have any sort of like, no, I just, I guess, want to say to anybody that can like connect with anything, even if they don't have limes, that just keep trying. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I can't promise you it's going to get better, but just keep trying. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being on the session of Intimate Interactions, Juniper. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor, or tweet me at Intimate Victor, or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>